0: everyone welcome to episode number 55 of the SpoilerCast. I'm your host Dan and I'm joined here by Barra. Hi guys, I'm back! <laughs> and a bottle. Oh god, Where, where's my whiskey? <laughs> my whiskey. We are mourning the death of Vidme, our preferred video platform, but we're also here mm. to discuss not Thor Ragnarok. No.
1: no. Oh, no. I see how it is. No, Tristan wants to do so we'll just throw that out the window. Yeah, no, no. Oh, no we're going to discuss
2: <laughs> Thor Ragnarok in our next episode. Yeah. But this time, mm-hmm. we're going to talk about a movie that all three of us saw and that I think is the best movie of the year, not named Get Out.
0: Yes. Oh, my <laughs> God. I, I can't believe I don't have to forget about that one. Uh, uh, we are talking about Blade Runner 2049.
2: And yes. Yeah. Blade Runner, Mother King 2049. A movie I was bad when I heard they were going to make it was mad throughout much of the production process. Then I saw a trailer, and I was like, okay. Then I saw another trailer, and I was like, okay, I'm buying in, but I'm going to bifurcate this out of the normal Blade Runner in my head canon. And now, surprisingly, even though I still bifurcated because I think that Blade Runner never needed a sequel, Blade Runner 2049 is a movie I am happy was made. It so, didn't need to be made, but I'm happy that it exists. So again, yes. A movie that never needed to be made. Uh, I will say
1: it was much better than I was expecting. Oh, extremely! I bad. had the lowest expectations mm-hmm. going into this movie, and it handily surpassed them.
2: Yeah, I didn't wouldn't necessarily say the lowest, just because the the trailers and such and the and the reviews were all already had had uh, raised it modestly. But I I wasn't again because I have all these mixed scenes, Like you know, for full disclosure. The original blade runner is was a big just like was a milestone for me in terms of like movies and shaping my imagination and to this day as someone who loves movies and loves stories and loves narrative it's it's great it's beautiful and that ending is perfect and that's one of the reasons why i was so like why does this need to see her? yeah for the ending to that director's cut it's too bad she won't live but then again who does and then they leave it's like that's, and then the music kicked in. It's like, yes, this is perfect. This is life. This is a great and beautiful thing. So yeah.
0: Real quick, real quick before we get any further, just for people who haven't listened before, we're going to spoil the crap out of what we're talking about, oh Blade God, Runner 2049. Yes. And the purpose of the show is just to kind of talk through like whatever the, the topic of the, of the episode is, in this case, Blade Runner 2049, and spoil the crap out of it and discuss entirety. it.
2: Also the original Blade Runner. I just spoiled yeah. the yeah. ending for that. Yeah. But there are yeah. a, many, yeah. many endings... Be out of context and see what the fuck haven't you seen the original Blade Runner? So,
0: there's a statute of limitations from 1982 that I'm sure we can... <laughs> uh, for the sake Ronald
2: of... Reagan was president, when this came out, go <laughs> fuck yourself. <laughs> for the sake of context,
1: I will also include that my favorite version of the original Blade Runner is the theatrical release complete with narration by Harrison Ford. You like the happy ending? I really like the theatrical release. Yeah. Wow! Someone has thrown a gauntlet upon the floor <laughs> and things have gotten
2: <laughs> interesting! Man! And
1: I will explain my position thusly. Okay! Why I like the theatrical release mm-hmm. over the director's cut or the extended cut or any of those other cuts. A, I like their narration. I like the extra world building it gives and the extra context it gives, but I also like it because it drives home the fact that this is a 1940s noir-style detective story set in a cyberpunk future, first off. The other reason I like the theatrical cut is because it doesn't have any of the extra like dream bullshit in it, Because the problem I have with the director's cut is because of stuff like the Unicorn Dream sequence is that it changes the focus of the film. Mm -hmm. In my opinion, the theatrical release deals with the question of does it matter if someone is a human or a replicant? Does it matter if they have, as long as they have the same lifespan, does it matter if they're artificial or normal if they have genuine memories? That is my take with the original theatrical release. In my opinion, the director's cut changes that question from Does it matter if someone is a replicant or not? to Is Deckard a replicant? See, I think that takes away mm-hmm. from the overall message of the movie by trying to focus it on a single character. And I think the point shouldn't be Is Deckard a replicant? Also, because I really like the character of Roy Batty. I love Roy as a character. It's Roy's movie. It's Whatever Roy's movie. cut it
2: is, it's Roy's movie.
1: But remember what Roy's last words are, where he refers to Deckard as a brother. Yes. My stance is that if you add the question of is Deckard a replicant, that changes Roy's last moments to him recognizing that no, Deckard is a replicant like me. That's why I call him brother. Two, <laughs> two. That's that's in the that's in the director's cut, the theatrical cut. If you don't have the question of, is Deckard a Replicant at all in your mind, then that then Roy's last words of calling Deckard a brother are Roy realizing that all living humans and all Replicants are together brothers.
2: So are you saying that... Praise Roy Jesus! Is, no. Praise <laughs> Jesus! No, 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 no. Are you saying that Roy is a secret Quaker?
1: <laughs> Down the wrong path? Maybe. But so, I, I like to think that Roy's final moments are more profound than just recognizing that Decker the- is a replicant.
2: No, this is actually good stuff, but I'm going to actually say something else. So uh, I <laughs> love th- that ending. I, because of the ending and the structure of the director's kit, I prefer it. But that being said, I'm actually someone who, maybe it's just because I'm obtuse or maybe because that I know that the fight between he and Harrison Ford for a while was because they both had different interpretations, and everyone did. I have never been of the belief that Deckard is a is a replicant. I always like whatever cut I'm watching it. I watch it as Deckard is a human being. And one of the things I loved about Blade Runner 2049 is I thought that Blade Runner 2049 was essentially going to be Ridley Scott wanking and being like, "Yes, Deckard is a replicant. <laughs> yeah, i right. proven right. my argument right. with Harrison Ford right. once and for all." It was- it was and going to be the
0: typical sequel where they, they basically spoil the intrigue of the original mm-hmm. movie for no reason whatsoever. And, wow,
1: the they, one thing I was... They dance a- around. They dance around that so hard in 2049. No, and
2: that's what I... One of the things I loved about it was I thought, okay, what... And this is one of the reasons why I was, like, going to, like, sequence it off. It's like, oh, they're just going to have Ridley sell like, you know... Stupid ego trip here. No. It's just like, yeah, we're going to leave this open to interpretation. Mm-hmm. Are we going to heavily imply Deckard's a replica? Yes, but the director's kind of heavily implies as well. Are we also going to imply that it's possible that he was just like the perfect mate for his re- replicant girlfriend and thus allowed a child the idea, to be born?
1: Well, the idea that Rachel... Well, they bring up the idea that Rachel was basically made for him in 2049. Right. What, what does that mean? Does it mean that he was built and she was built specifically to, you know... Bump uglies and produce a replicant offspring, or was it that she was built specifically to be this acceptable vessel?
2: Or it's also possible that that was just like something that someone retroactively like put to their mm-hmm. relationship yeah. after they'd already produced a child. Right. Uh, this is the-
1: spoilers. Spoilers. Uh, Blade Runner 2049 is all about Deckard and Rachel's kid.
2: But that being said. Yes, that is the uh, that is the mm-hmm. overall MacGuffin, which is also um, you know more becomes more than a MacGuffin because it has given mm-hmm. actual like emotional yep. weight and thing. Yep. But it's actually a movie set in the Blade Runner universe that has a current that has the fucking courage and balls to not be about the uh, to be mm-hmm. about to be centrally focused on another character, and that other character isn't even defined really. Except being can really- we, can we also appreciate this movie had the balls.
1: To be a slow-paced detective story. Yeah. In today's Hollywood,
2: it was a it was a classic film noir movie, just like Blade Runner. Yep. Um, and shocking. Well, I think it was less noir
0: than the original Blade Runner. I it know. was
1: definitely less noir than the original, but, but much less noir, much noir than the story. theatrical. Yeah. But very much a slow-paced
0: yeah. detective story. Yeah. I,
2: I, actually, you do make <clears> up a good point. Blade Runner is like. Slow, le, shorter running time mm-hmm. makes it more like a classic noir. This is more just this. This is like kind of combining like a lot of those classic noir sensibilities with the longer runtimes of mm-hmm. modern movies, mm-hmm. while still keeping that sensibility, mm-hmm. which is yep. really fucking cool. Well,
0: that was my biggest problem with this movie was it was too fucking long. But normally.
2: I would agree I, with you. Normally, I am with you on that. This is one of the few times where I say, like, nah. I'm fine with the movie not with the movie being that. I, there, long. there
1: are definitely portions they could have cut. That's, to that's what I mean.
2: Stuff. That's exactly. Well, see, and, that, and that's what I mean. Like, it, it, not.
0: To, it's not to say that.
1: It, I I would yeah. also appreciate though if it were longer, because there is a horrifically underutilized plot point in mm-hmm. Blade Runner twenty forty nine. What is the horrifically underused plot point? The horrifically underutilized (laughs) plot point is his holographic wife.
2: It was not horrifically underused. No,
1: because they don't at all go into he is a thing who also owns a thing. According to society. But according to himself, he is a person who also has another thing. Person. Okay.
2: This is what I want to talk about they because don't this go, is all about the
1: interpretation of what it is. Like, so, I love her as a character. She's great. I'll, I'll, I would I'll, have that holographic waifu. But say, they don't go into too. an artificial person having a s- another okay, artificial okay, okay, person, okay, okay, okay. another layer of artificial okay, person. So, so
2: Tris, you went off on on your on your thing on Blade Runner. Mm. I'm going to go off the thing that I my favorite scene. In Blade Runner twenty forty nine, and also something that I am like fundamentally in the belief uh, that I, and it's all open to interpretation, like yeah. any great mm-hmm. art. And this is why yep. I love it because it's like, but I have a very hard, like a very sincere, just like what really gets me in this movie is like this interpretation I have of it, which is that um, so in Blade Runner twenty forty nine, just like to give the guys thing, you know, Ryan Gosling plays a replicant who hunts other replicants, and mm-hmm. then he gets into this intrigue surrounding trying to find was- out.
1: As commanded
2: by... <laughs> Robin Wright. Robin Wright. Robin fucking Wright. Right. Hold on, hold uh, on, hold on.
0: 30 years after the events of the first film, a Blade Runner, LAPD Officer K, played by Ryan Gosling, unearths a long-buried secret that has the potential to plunge what's left of society into chaos. K's discovery leads him on a quest to find Rick Deckard, Harrison Ford, mm-hmm. a former LAPD Blade Runner who has been missing for 30 years...
2: Okay, well that 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 jumps well, that to Deckard interest, a lot more sooner than the actual does. Than the movie does. But yeah. that being said, uh, but yeah, no, K is K is a replicant. He knows he's a replicant, yep. and he he hunts down and kills other replicants. And the thing they're trying to find is Harrison Ford and Sean Johnson's kid, um, and who, uh, which you know, like, and uh, Robin Wright wants the, the kid eliminated because because that would it would destroy order
1: as we know it
2: yes because it would be make it so like people would think of replicants as people and I can't have right. that meanwhile jared leto wants who is the head of the new replicant people of wants to get his hands on the on this kid so he can st- give basically allow his replicants to produce slaves the old-fashioned way, so he can become oh, a got, better we, slave merchant. We got
1: to talk about how terrible the villain in this
2: movie is. Yeah, we'll get can to I? That. Can can we? Uh, well, see, we'll get let, to him. Side, okay, we can sidetrack to Jared Leto now because once I once I throw the gauntlet down on this thing, we're all just gonna yeah. gauntlet about <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about Jared Leto. He was
0: a terrible villain. Jared Leto to me <laughs> is an actor who I've. He wins all these awards and people say all these things about him, but I've never loved him in anything. And I get the sense every time I watch a movie with him, and I know this isn't the case. I think it's just the way he acts. I get the sense that he doesn't have a script mm-hmm. and he just walks into a room oh. and they're like, "You're weird," and this is the context of the scene. And then he just does, does it. him for for fifteen minutes, and then he and then he yeah. and then cut. why why is his character blind?
1: You yeah, live in a yeah. world where you can make eyeballs. You've this been able to make eyeballs for I think like the forty years. Is that
2: he's a replicant. know uh, well, well, one of the original Nexus 6s. Mm-hmm. I
1: didn't get that. I got that he was a human who kept himself blind as an affectation, because it points me paints me as a weird and wacky entrepreneur of business. So
2: I mean, I think that- I'm the new. Steve Jobs. So I can I, do whatever I want. I didn't get that he was a replicant, but reading after it, people were saying that, and I could see that. But again, yeah, no, I don't no, no, explain day, it because so, so like, human. So the, the basic, I thought it was a human. It's like, and I think may have also been like with some like the weird promotional shorts they put out there, etc. Is is that like you know he came out of nowhere. He's this weird, uh, um, and he gets people to start doing replicant technology again. And notably, if you notice, they identify all the Nexus Sixes by their mm-hmm. eyeballs. He doesn't have eyeballs. Hmm. He has artificial eyes. Um, so I wasn't sure
1: if those were artificial eyes or if he was blind, because I, it, they they make a big point of him like changing yeah. out stuff so that yeah. he can see.
2: I think that those are but th- they cybernetic eyes where and he like sees through his drones and stuff as well. Um, that's the, they're mechanical. They're not. They're,
1: they're they're obviously different. Yes. They're obviously different. So um, I will say that the idea of him being a replicant is an interesting idea because then it points him, paints him as sort of a new spiritual leader of replicants rather than a like crazy obsessive, like, well, yeah, like With the warped
0: sense about how to treat. Without, how to treat <laughs> well, replicates. I
2: mean,
0: he's a slave owner, right, That's right, the right, thing. Right.
2: Whether yeah. he's a human or. Or, or a replicant, a replicant. Yeah. he's mm-hmm. a slave owner, and he acknowledges he's a slave yeah. owner, right. and he doesn't have a problem being a slave right. owner. I just, uh, he was just such a. I didn't have a problem with
0: the the his arc, and I didn't have a problem with like the character. Like, I I don't think he was. I don't think the character
2: is a bad villain. I think Jared Leto just. Does I thought thing Jared where... Leto served a purpose. I don't, I'm not a Jared Leto fan, yeah. but I thought he was fine in this movie. I don't know. Mm. Um, I, I well, you, you want a douche who makes your skin crawl? Yeah. ity check, check, check. <laughs> yeah. but, a, you know, again, and, but again,
1: yeah. we, we can't <laughs> yeah. ignore the fact that we're still comparing this because it is in the same universe as the original Blade Runner. Yeah, but and the original Blade Runner, like, even if whether or not you look at Roy ba- Batty as a protagonist because it's his story or as an antagonist because he is direct, basically directly opposed to Deckard. Whom, again, theatrical release is the focal point of the movie because we see everything through his eyes. Roy Batty is still a fantastic character to as an opposition.
2: Yes, um, this is true. I Jared Leto, I, think- I
1: think, felt more like a Deus Ex Machina, a reason to be?
0: I think I think like I think like the start and the end of Jared Leto's character and every scene is great. I think it's just like the weird shit he says in the middle. Like I just oh my like, god, like I don't the mind the plot shit. stuff going on with it. If that makes
2: sense, you don't like, like him like, as an antagonist, dislike him as antagonist. You just dislike that he philosophically blathered.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I that guess. Means, yeah. That got you, and, uh, and I just feel like that's always the case with Jared Leto. Blah
2: so like blah, anything, blah 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 like... blah
1: blah philosophy blah 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 more philosophy blah right, blah, right. blah 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 blah
2: end of my arc so we're gonna get back to joy though joy is the is a key part of this whole movie Mm -hmm. because Kay is a replicant and he also is a replicant who really doesn't have much connection to either humans or other replicants yep he's pretty much a model soldier um for robin Wright. he's a model per he's a model model like retiring retiring other replicants but he just he doesn't seek comfort from other replicants or from Robin Wright wanting to jump his fucking bones at all. Yeah, that was kind of awkward. She, yeah. She wants him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Super movie. hard. All yeah, yeah, yeah. right. And Robin Wright, damn fine woman. Yeah. Um she aged very well. Yes. I gotta say. It's a good thing. Yep. In any case, uh, back to that is that like he has, however, this like little this holographic program waifu. girlfriend
1: Let's call her a waifu. Because that's what she is.
2: Called Joy, who basically just cares to his needs. And the thing is, is that Joy and he have this, like, dialogue in his relationship. And at the same time, though, people talk about this. It's like, oh, are you enjoying our product? And he says, and you also see Joy in advertisements for Joy all around the thing. And, you know, then Joy arranges for him to have a sexual encounter with a replicant prostitute where, like, she basically where's the skill? Joy is the skin. And then it's like, it's super kinky. And then like she leaves. And then like the replicant prostitute says, Oh, you know, like there's not there. There's, there's less to you than you
1: think. You think there's more here than there actually is. Yeah. Which is heads
2: up. Yeah. And then also she's like saying, Hey, delete me from the sit from your system. So they can't trace you. I love you. And then oh no, she, and joy, then, joy is like top tier waifu material. Don't get me wrong. Oh no, but, But this is I'm getting to something here, so like you know it's like and I'm pointing this because, uh, and then you know they go and she so basically there's only one copy of joy and it's on him, and then they go and they find Harrison Ford and then the bad people break in they take away Harrison Ford and then she says bad dog and they well the the, this Terminator replicant lady who's been hunting him to try to find Harrison Ford. And oh yeah, I forgot about that. She character. then, yeah. and then there is the drive with Joy, and Joy's like, no, and then she just like without a thought smashes it, and Joy is gone, Joy is destroyed, and you, you see this like emotionally devastates Ryan Gosling, and then he goes and he meets with the Resistance people and there are re- of replicants who are like you know have been protecting mm-hmm. the identity of Harrison Ford's kid, and he thinks. Ryan Gosling thinks that he's the kid. It turns out he's not. It turns out that right. he has the memories of, from the Harrison Ford's kid, but he is actually just a replicant who was yep. not Thank God. Mort- thank God for that. Too. Oh, my God. That, no, was that, like, was, that was great. I was like, yeah. oh, thank
1: merciful God. Yeah.
2: That was great. He's not the chosen one. So, like, we always we all want to be the chosen right. one. Right. It's really and cool. Then, he knows, where, you the, are not he knows Neo. where the horse trinket is. It's yeah. just great. And then he's just like, you need to kill Deckard to save the revolution. That's what it means. And to sacrifice for things, that's what it means to be human. And this is why I think but this is where Blade Runner twenty forty nine went to great territory, because then he's out bloodied up, he's walking, and he sees a giant projection advertisement for Joy. And she, she call in K she calls him Joe. Because like it's yeah. like I will give you a name Joe. And then this the advertisement engages with him, who's giant and holographic yep. and naked and neon. She's like, Oh, what do you want? Like, you seem like a good Joe and then like and at that point, you realize the tagline you've been seeing for Joy the entire time. And also, you know, the way people mm-hmm. talk about it, it's like everything you want to hear.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: My belief, and like this is like, and some people like, talk about is like, she ascension. or not? I'm like, no, Joy is not even close to Ascension Program. Oh, Joy God. is what Joy is, is Joy is a reflection of what Grind Gosling wants to be. Mm-hmm. He is a reflection of what he wants out of life. And he's able to have this rich relationship with her. Because he's projecting basically how he wants to be seen. And she sees him how he wants to be seen. And at that point, whether he consciously realizes it or not, well, he realized it before. That point in the movie, he realizes consciously that, like, it was it was a dream. It was a reflection. It's a reflection of what I want. It reflection that I want as a human being. And if that's the case, what do I want to be as a human being? And he defines himself as a human at that point, I think. Or at least he decides, decides to define his own his own meaning of what it means to be human is like what the human act I'm going to do is I'm going to save a stranger's life so he can be reunited with his daughter. Mm -hmm. And that to me was why it's so fucking, why I love that is because like, I just love the idea that. Like joy where they build up and you see this is, is a reflection of Ryan Gosling, but they don't, but they hint, but you don't get that full revelation until that scene. And that's fucking beautiful. So box over. So I will say
1: that that scene is fantastic.
2: <laughs> and not too soon. <laughs> that scene is
1: absolutely fantastic. Yeah. But again, I wish they had gone into sort of the... More of the... Of the sort of... Kind of social ramifications of... There, you've got humans. You've got replicants. And then you've got these AI. Because Joy... For most of the movie, is one of the most human characters we see, even though she's completely artificial and completely designed to be like the perfect waifu for Ryan Gosling.
2: Yeah, but to me though, it's like what's interesting about that is is that like, again, in terms of like you know like the most human character, I think the reason why she is the most human character is she's literally just reflecting Ryan Gosling. Right. She is his I mirror. She's him in many ways.
1: Uh, there, there's a dynamic there between because you've got again, like I said, you've got humans replicants her, jo- like joys AIs and I wish they had spent more time mm-hmm.
2: going into the idea of of like a slave owning a slave except it, t- to be what I think was interesting about this movie and again, other people have taken your you go know, have taken that more into portion of, of like you know joy as like, Oh, uh, as like a slave, or as agency, or whatever. What I think is this is less and more of a slave owning a slave, and more a slave owning an Xbox, and no, no, and being so, well, huh. but being so <laughs> like, isolated and slave, sad. A slave owning a not, PlayStation and playing <laughs> hyperdimensional
1: Neptunia. No,
2: and, <laughs> but being so sad and so isolated and so undivorced from the context of intimacy that that's is about as real as things get for him. Because the way other people the the way that other that the other replicant talks about the program is and the and the, also the way that like the humans like no one really seems sees it as like a threat that he has this thing mm-hmm. or even sees Joy as a threat. Mm-hmm. It's more it's like again, it's like, you know, you think there's more to this than you are when she's when like Joy is telling him off. It's like yeah. it's as if like, you know, you invited she's basically a, a woman a sentient, off to,
1: she's basically a sentient body pillow.
2: Yes, it's like, but yeah. So it's like, yeah. So, well, not sentient. Uh, like I, I would argue, though, a not sentient body is just like. But she, Ryan Gosling's so divorced that he can't see it.
1: But she, well, I say so. You say not sentient. I say sentient because she does make decisions outside of him.
2: Decisions that he would want her to make. He decisions wants he her, would to want her to be self because he she is them. the
1: perfect waifu. But still dependent upon. <laughs> independent of his specific orders
2: right the programming is made to uh, is made to hear exactly what you want to hear and what he wants is love and devotion and selflessness
0: right and and he can't get it without a cost too. He's gonna buy the plugin, right? <laughs> you got uh, you gotta, you gotta to buy
1: those loop boxes. <laughs> right, right, it's right, a five right. four ninety nine microtransaction. <laughs> right. right.
0: And that was sort of like that's to like Vera's point. It's like okay, now he down he's downloading the program that he most accurately wants. You know what I mean? Like when I like his like the Xbox is a great example, right? Yeah. So so he bought the game that he wanted. You know what Niche. I mean? No, <laughs> and, you, you, and he loaded it into the system, and and, 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 and here we go.
2: Yeah. Um, um. And if you think in if you think of uh, that character instead of being like gorgeous, r- gorgeous Ryan Gosling who goes around killing sentient beings with a gun, and instead like you know a small homely, uh, a small homely shut-in with no friends who works in the service industry, like you know, it's almost like you you're know, like, talking
1: about me. No, I'm just you're here. Gonna- on my own. Tristan, you can I've catch- got my 2D waifus. It's fine. <laughs> Tristan,
2: we both know that if you actually had guts to put in effort, you could be catching it. <laughs> oh! Okay? Oh! The savagery. <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens. Put it to you be- this way. I know... F- I know... A- People who are far less attractive to you, far less uh, far less job stability, and just like, and a far less interesting conversationalists who are catching it. <laughs> yeah. The only reason why you're not catching it is that you do not value catching That's it right. at this is that time. That I am not casting it out there. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. So no, none of this disparaging stuff on Tristan Catherine has. I'd be have there. No. No. My, oh, no. Man. No. No. And and should you relocate to the valley, I will make it (coughs) my point to make sure (coughs) that you catch it. By the way, you actually just get out there. (laughs) (coughs) Yeah.
1: (coughs) (coughs) I think have a black lung pop. But 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 now, uh, Derek, goddammit.
2: But I think (coughs) you don't necessarily see it, and I think it's a good thing that, like, because it is Ryan Gosling, and he has this traditionally, like, glamorous job in our minds because he gets to basically be Deckard, who's like this style and coolness icon to like to nerds um but no he's in this society he is mm. lowest rung of the totem pole and he is an iso- and he is a sad isolated loser yeah. um and also he is basically so accepted being low rung that like he doesn't i mean you know like they, he doesn't even like you know the rubber Wright stuff is like you know do you are, should you want to be sexual, should you want to have a sexually, possibly coercive relationship with your boss or not? Uh, depends, I guess, what feelings are on with her. But in terms of, like, you know, he had the opportunity to have a relationship with those other replicants. Mm-hmm. And he does, he, he does not. Whatsoever. Like, uh, he can only sleep with that replicant prostitute when Joy provides mm-hmm. a veneer of it.
1: To be fair, the idea of sleeping with someone who you, whom you may need to hunt down and murder in the future...
2: Kind of a negative,
1: but I get your point.
2: The flip <laughs> side of that, though, is, is that I believe that they—they were—they said, send said in the intro. There was only the Nexus Sixes that mm-hmm. really go off the right. grid. Right, Like they basically build people who obey. Now so, we find that's a lie at the end. Yep. But as far as I can sur, as I can tell. He only really is just like employed to kill the old Nexus Sixes who like live forever and are rebellious and are built like Dave fucking I was, Batista. I was, just, I was yeah, literally can we, just going to Can we take a moment and
1: appreciate Dave Batista being a replicant? When,
2: honestly, just.
0: Taking it a step further back than that, when is Dave Bautista going to get a starring role in a movie? Right? He's great. Because he he's takes fantastic. over every scene he's in, in every movie. I, I don't know. Like, I, Dave mean, Bautista, I say every movie, but really Dave the only Bautista, size if I can you think are of is this and Guardians of the
2: Galaxy. Did you but see the... Oh, sorry, go on.
1: Dave Bautista, if you are listening, you deserve more lead roles, yeah. man. You got to talk to your agent <laughs> and be like, dude, dude, I'm awesome. I need to be more... I need to be a lead in more stuff. So, Dave Batista, we love you. So, uh... You're awesome.
2: Dave, if you, uh... <laughs> there was that movie that the RZA did or something called, like, uh... Oh, the ninja movie? Yeah, there was, was. like, the breath out uh, like, um... It's, like, sort of, like the, the legend of the Iron Fist or some shit so like that. that. Yeah. Anyways, there was Dave, this one Dave Batista's first role, so he was actually very good in that, yeah. too. Uh, I think that Dave Batista, This is a maybe a bold statement, but I think... He is going to have a similar trajectory to The Rock. Yeah. And that The Rock, mm-hmm. you know, but it's going to be a little different. The Rock was always a huge personality. So they basically put him out there and he was always. I like The Rock as an actor because he always is like his game and he went out yeah. there and stuff. And he's eventually got to where he does ballers, which is I really enjoy. Yeah. And, you know, he's like, he's now achieved where he is like a mainstay lead actor. Mm-hmm. Dave Batista's route's going to be a little different because he's not as big a wrestling personality. But I love you, Dwayne Johnson. Dave Bautista's a better actor than yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. So, like, yeah. really what this is, is, like, all this taking over and showing both, like, comedic and dramatic yeah. range, he's going to get those parts soon. I feel like he's going to... He's not going to stay in, like, the character actor mold forever yeah. because he's just he's just too good. Yeah. He has this gravitas to it.
0: Well, th- what's weird about the opening scene of the movie is Ryan Gosling is introduced and he's going to hunt down Dave Bautista's character. Yeah. And, because he's a Nexus 6 right yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and and uh like dave batista just totally steals it like oh, yeah. <laughs> like like it's like oh yeah you know,
1: That those it, scenes are all about him oh, right
0: so it's kind of like and, and i think i think one of the one of the cool things about about this movie and it happens a lot in tv shows more so than movies because you have more time with the character yeah. but i always I, I find that really the movie isn't at all about ryan gosling at all period ever mm-hmm. like mm. Like even and, and the one time we think it's about him it's not when when he thinks he's the chosen one and we all think he might be the chosen or not the chosen one but the the, the son of the of you know the glorious child Let's you know.
2: even the thing that where you think it's about him which is that in the end where right. it's like you know where where he makes the choice to save Harrison Ford's life mm-hmm. at probably the cost of mm-hmm. his own it's still him deciding to put another uh, to, to put an, an, another per, another two people's happiness. <gasps> above himself or rather not necessarily above himself but more just like he decides to serve the happiness of other people i mean that's the interesting thing about him is is that he is a character who is in many ways searching for whether he's human or not and and he gets the answer even though he's the same person he was all along but again it's basically that he was human all along he just didn't realize it
0: right and then you and then the uh (laughs) <laughs> sorry, there's no worries. Uh, and then just from a movie making perspective, you might disagree, but I also feel like his character is is not not boring is not the right word, but kind of like silent protagonist enough that mm-hmm. it allows like every other character in the movie to kind of really like shine in their own way. And it, every it feels like every scene's about the other character in, yeah. in a sense. Like even the scenes with Joy, like you know my focus is on Joy, yeah, not, not on him. Yes. The scenes with Harrison Ford, Well, I mean. Obviously, of course but, Harrison but, Ford Steven stealer yeah, right, extraordinaire right, right. <laughs> Jared Leto for better or for worse he's, he's in this he's the you know Terminator and, lady for that matter right yeah. right Terminator Ryan Gosling's never the focal point it seems like and for the for the most part
1: he is a cog yeah. in the machine yeah. <laughs> both <laughs> uh, <laughs> no no I've been, I've been we do I've been having this weird cough for a while uh. he is a cog in the machine both like Figuratively and almost literally, in terms of like the police department. No, said he is a tool of the police department.
2: Yeah, I mean something that I also enjoyed about this movie is that <laughs> So, I am a giant fan of Ryan Gosling's work in Drive. Yeah, right. Nice. Have, have you seen Drive? Oh, of course. Drive yeah, is fantastic. Uh, drive is fantastic, and this was basically him going into Drive mode for a yep. giant movie, yep. and I was all behind it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. yep. I actually got to see it on the big screen oh, at Coolidge nice. Corner last year. Or actually That's this awesome. year. Oh, yeah, no. If, uh, if ever Cubs Brown again, I'll just tell you guys, because it was, it was an amazing experience, especially with that freaking synth soundtrack. It's like mm. oh freaking synth Dude, If you wanna if you wanna get by the way, if
0: you're ever in Boston and you wanna get enraptured in audio, yeah, go to the Coolidge corner theater. Holy crap, does it sound good? I saw yeah. Hateful Eight there and Whoa, I didn't and I, and I didn't like Hateful Eight that much, Me but the neither. but but like the overture <laughs> and like just the music was so freaking good.
2: No, I, oh I sadly miss Dunkirk in that glorious oh, nice. that oh. glorious eight uh, millimeter f- footage situation there. But no, uh, yeah, guys, if you're in the Boston area, <laughs> I guess just as he said, just go to fucking Coolidge. It's great. I think my grandmother, after she fled Nazi Germany, probably went there. Because, <laughs> no, seriously, she grew she they, she fled to Brookline. I went by right. her apartment recently, or her old apartment, the building where it is now. Um, and yeah, there is a non-zero chance they went out that you went out to the movies there. So, a long family <laughs> tradition of being awesome. While we're talking about audio, yes. So this movie,
1: its soundtrack. I will say this movie's that Blade, Blade Runner twenty soundtrack, not as good as original Blade Runners. I agree. But, I will say that their use of tone was very spot on. the sound mixing was great like like the sound mixing was great but but also their use of specific just like resonant tones yeah for like scene changes for like underlying sort of like emotional resonance because mm-hmm. you know certain tones like it's been proven that certain sound frequencies elicit certain emotional responses in humans right I felt their use of tone, not necessarily sound, not song, not audio, not mixing, not what have you, but their use of specific audio tones mm-hmm. throughout the movie was very spot on and very well done.
2: No, for sure. Um, I, I agree.
1: I do definitely prefer original Blade Runner soundtrack, however.
2: I didn't really remember much about this movie's exactly. sound. Exactly! Yeah. But I, I do there remember really the sound. One. I do remember the way they used sound, and that yes. was really cool. Yeah, uh, Yeah. no, and I mean, so... It's but- Hans Zimmer,
0: too. I I, I figured mm-hmm. it would be, like, I guess... Maybe not. Hans Zimmer's stuff is usually just typically pretty, like, bombastic or something, like... But...
2: I mean, I appreciate that he was able to step back and make it a, make a mellow, low-key soundtrack that yeah. didn't really uh, take away from the stuff. Although now I'm kind of tempted to just, like, make a master cut of uh, Blade Runner 2049, ruining all the tonage by just... Superimposing the Dark Knight soundtrack yeah. over the entirety yeah, right. of it. Oh, Seriously. No, no, don't. Dun. Please, God don't.
1: Where are the upper other replicants going?
0: Because Hans Zimmer's done all of Nolan stuff, right? That's, uh, is that the one of the same?
2: I believe so. Well, oh,
1: Dan's looking it up.
2: Dan's looking it up. He also did the Pirates of the Caribbean movie, at least the first one, which has yes. one of the most bawling soundtracks of all time.
0: So the disappointment I have is that he also did the soundtrack to Interstellar, which isn't the same vibe, exactly the same vibe, but I thought that was one of the best, I mean, that 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 made entire scenes in that movie, so it was yeah. kind of a bummer that he didn't, I guess it didn't escalate, but whatever.
2: No, what for sure.
0: dumb side conversation, anyway.
2: No, of course. Not, the Hans Zimmer is never fucking dumb. <laughs> yeah. Hans Zimmer's fucking great. Hans Zimmer is like the way. Hans Zimmer we, is like we, the working man's. Uh, who's the guy who's got all the fucking Academy Award nominations? John Williams. John yeah, yeah, he's like the working man's John Williams. <laughs> well, it's like it's like it could have been. Jam.
1: Well, it's like it could have been worse. We could have been stuck with Danny Elfman because I love Danny Elfman, but n- there, he gets used. He got for, old. Well, he gets used for a lot of movies that he should not be used for. Right. Like I love Danny Elfman. Don't get me wrong. Oingo Bongo. You guys are great. <laughs> but, but there are some movies that you should not use Danny Elfman for that they totally use Danny Elfman for. There was a
2: Danny Elfman <laughs> soundtrack I heard recently that I really liked that was not his typical Tim Burton <laughs> it bullshit. <yeah>. Right? <laughs> it's like,
1: get off your Tim Burton bullshit! Well, have, uh, have you heard Lost Themes by John Carpenter? John Carpenter recently put out an album entirely of movie things for movies that never got made
2: john carpenter is one of the greatest directors oh my god i love of all time i love john carpenter this i i will put my foot down on that the thing they live it's just like
1: the thing they live big trouble in little china escape from l.a escape from, LA, escape from new york holla fucking
2: ween holla fucking <laughs> ween. The, ween. the list goes on Halloween. and on Halloween. And <laughs> yeah, god damn starman 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 you know what? He's oh. a
0: motherfucking Starboy,
2: dude. Yes, dude. he is. And he basically stopped making movies because he couldn't handle the fucking <coughs> bullshit of yeah. the Hollywood system. Um, yeah. Can, can we appreciate... John Carpenter, John Carpenter, never disappoint me ever, and I don't think you ever will. To that, <laughs> I raise
1: a glass. <laughs> because it has been too Justin's long more since my last drink. Hello, Irish whiskey. Hello, hello. Mmm. <laughs> How's it going, babe? I've missed you. Come here, come here, give me a kiss.
0: I tried to take a shot of that earlier tonight. Is it? I could is it not, like stronger than Jameson? It no, it's it's weak. I think it's weaker. it's definitely weaker than Jameson. It's weaker than Jameson, but I just it just doesn't have the smooth buttery taste. I just it's not I, very smooth. I mean, I picked not, this stuff. It's not. It's not the whiskey's fault. It's just I just couldn't do shots tonight. I don't know what it is. Yeah, I picked the stuff up. Anyway, yeah, uh, yeah stuff. Well, I guess it wasn't my ten year high school reunion. <laughs> <was good. laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Wait, drank been... a little bit there
2: You went to your 10th year high school reunion Yeah How was that? Interesting <laughs> uh, He drank did, a lot Was apparently. there a Romeo and Michelle Situation at all? A what? You've seen Romeo and Michelle's High School reunion. I have never, no. Uh, Okay, so it's Lisa Kudrow and Mira Sorvino play these two best friends who like moved out to LA and like live in an apartment, work a crappy service job, and then they decide to go back to their 10 year high school reunion. Oh, okay. And it involves a lot of fantasy sequences. It involves Alan Cumming, and it involves like ridiculousness and great comedic timing. It's basically one of the finest comedies ever made in the 90s. And, yeah, it's like Mira Servino for Uh, knocking it out of the fucking park. And also music could good
1: I don't know. I think the best high school reunion movie has to be Gross Point Blank.
2: Okay, that's just a different category.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, as long as we're talking, you know, high school reunions.
2: Yes, true. High school reunions in the 90s, you can definitely bring up Gross Point Blank. Yes. It's definitely way above the belt. Sidetrack on <laughs> Sidetrack on John Cusack before we wrap this John up. John Cusack bones. Okay. I love John Cusack. He but, just used uh, to be casting better things. And that is the sure thing is that said in like are they like going to a school in Western Massachusetts or something? Because it kind of looks like the valley. It
1: really looks like the valley. It looks
2: a lot like the it valley. It really
1: looks like the valley. It's
2: like, yeah, like are they like going to Amherst or something? And then he decides, no, I want to. Well, wasn't sleep with it the Smithy.
1: wasn't it? um, I think it was Animal House that was shot at Amherst. Yeah, really. Animal yeah. House was, yeah, Animal but, House was wow. shot at Amherst College, which wow. is hilarious. So. So for uh, any of you it's like who know most, of like, or go to botted, Hampshire,
2: like school in the freaking valley,
1: right? Well, so here's the thing: at so, least in, so in Animal House, yeah, they go to a girls' college to pick up chicks for their toga party, and they go to Emily Dickinson Hall, which at the time didn't exist until Hampshire made it. so in so in animal house emily dickinson hall is this like like townhouse or like dormitory hall for this women's college that they go to to find women hampshire college has an emily dickinson hall Awesome. yeah right next to amherst where the movie was shot but edh emily dickinson hall is the theater building
2: it is this is true this is true I it's took a, a lot of it's in EDH, a, baby.
1: oh my god it's such a beautiful confluence of events that fits together so
2: perfectly so i mean on the wrap uh yeah <laughs> to wrap where this were, shit were we up. what were we talking, talking about you know
0: right? no, I think the fact that we've 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 lapsed onto Romeo and Michelle's high school reunion and Animal House Billy! probably is a good sign Billy, that we should wrap up our Blade Runner twenty forty nine spoiler cast. So,
2: but I mean, you know, I think we should all just like give Yet. our final thoughts. But I mean, again, I this was a you know this was an excellent movie. Also, just like the whole aesthetic and the design was mm-hmm. great. Period. Everything from the clothes, the guns, oh yeah, the visuals are awesome. Guns like just like the visuals are like beautiful all the way through. Spot on. So everything's spot on, and. I think that uh, uses silence, um, but yeah, this is this was an excellent movie, and yeah, it would definitely be my favorite movie of the year if uh, Get Out hadn't come out this year. It's like pretty much like <laughs> well, and bear the my... best movie not made named Get Out. And Get Out is a movie that will not win the Academy Award for Best Picture, but it fucking should. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so it is a movie that didn't have to be made.
0: Yes, I agree. Look at him bringing it full circle. I but agree. I am
1: glad it was made. See? I do feel it is a fitting sequel to Blade Runner. Exactly. Is it a replacement for Blade Runner? No, God no. No. God no. Is it a decent continuation of the Blade, sto- Blade Runner storyline? Sure. Totally. <laughs> is it a movie you should
2: see? Yeah give, it, give yes, them money give so it... they make more movies like this right
0: well oh so that's Rather than, so the one thing we didn't talk about is that this movie bombed
2: yeah oh, bombed it, commercially critically a big success though Critically, which a big is the success. same with Blade
0: Runner 1 if I'm not mistaken yep. yes definitely I mean also. Blade Runner might have made his money back later on but maybe not here's the problem
1: with
2: 2049. 2049
0: might also make his money back well, later well but here's on the thing
1: too. with 2049 though is that it came out after the god awful fiasco that was Ghost in the Shell
2: You think Ghost in the Shell soured people on stuff? Oh, I think it's super
1: soured people for cyberpunk Mm -hmm. and for uh, remakes slash continuations slash what have you of things from the 80s. Same with the Ghostbusters remake. I think that by the time 2049 came out, people were like, oh god, it's another remake of something from the 80s that we loved. And it's going to milk it dry for every cent it has as a soulless goddamn money grab.
2: And yeah, I mean, one of the great things about 24-9, again, uh, to just like, because we're putting it back to Full Circle, is it wasn't that soulless, it, it, it was like the opposite of your soulless money grab. It like, yeah. literally was like, instead of trying to just cash in on everything from the original, and it was it's like, let's make a beautiful, thoughtful story that is set in this world. That co- does some callback, but is its own thing. That I is, would argue it did it even better than mm-hmm. the st- than Star than uh, than the Force Awakens, and I like the Force Awakens, but the Force Awakens relied a lot on callback, even as oh. it did build strong other characters. So,
1: so here's the important thing about, about Force Awakens. Yeah. Is that, and here's why I give Force Awakens a lot more leeway than a lot of other people. Force Awakens, could not afford to fuck it up. Yes. I agree. If Force Awakens had fucked it up, it would have meant the end of Star Wars as a franchise.
2: No, I agree. I think that there is, um, that, you know, it's like Blade Runner, uh, I, I definitely agree on that. Like, I think Force Awakens had to basically remind people what it was like <clears throat> to watch a Star Wars movie again. Right. And that's what And what it did. was
1: good about Star Wars.
2: Exactly. It's like, I, once I saw that, I was like, oh yeah, that's why I didn't like any of the prequels. They weren't <clears throat> Star Wars movies. Like this was, right. But, but no, but this this had the luxury of <laughs> not being in that do or die situation and by having a director with the brass balls to be like, hey, let's I make did the original,
1: new. let's continue going.
2: Yeah. Well <clears throat> the, the new guy did it. Like yeah. Ridley Scott yeah. just produced it. Ridley Scott, Ridley Scott in fact, Scott I was reading Ridley Scott kicked off the setup
0: some one point
2: by, it's the director, awesome. by the director. By the director. That's <laughs> great. And I love Ridley Scott. That's why trying to meddle too, too much. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Anyways, Dan, what are your closing thoughts? Um,
0: I I like the movie a lot I think it's one of my one of the better movies I've seen this year I'm not as ravey about it I think as the two of you Mm. Um, I think it's way too long and I don't mean that in a the scene could have been shortened way I mean it in a the scene could have been eliminated kind of way Mm -hmm. like like I think there's a there's a mood that needs to be set and there's a, a a cadence and like a flow to the movie that was good, but I just felt that there were pieces of the movie that didn't need to be there. I felt a lot of Jared, Jared Leto's stuff. Right, <laughs> could maybe. have been. Cut. I've already alluded to that earlier. So well, well, because
1: uh, yeah. here's the thing: is that you really don't need Jared Leto mm-hmm. except for like that last scene where he's talking to Deckard. Yeah. Like it almost works better if his character doesn't show up until that end bit because then he's this like weird, mysterious. Like, shut-in, um, like, Silicon Valley pioneer, who we know nothing about. We only see his agent dispensing his will
0: mm-hmm.
1: till we actually get to meet him. That could have been cool. I think that could have been really cool if you just, like, shit. <laughs> like. yeah. um, did either of you see the animated short detailing the blackout?
2: I did not. I didn't see any of the, pre- the the prequel stuff that was done to bridge the timeline. So, because
1: that that's actually fairly important, um, because it sets up a big reason of why they are hunting down the Nexus Sixes. Mm. Basically, what it is is that all the replicates fucking revolt, and the Nexus Sixes are leading sort of the revolution, and they detonate this with human synthesizer help detonate this EMP in orbit. That just wipes out fucking everyone's records. So there are no records of, really, records of who the Nexus 6s are. What you have are, are rumors, hearsay, and fragmented bits of data. And basically the only thing to determine whether or not someone is an Nexus 6 is the fact that they have their serial number on their fucking eyeball. Mm. So, the, so it's so it, it, it's kind of an important little bridge gap <clears throat> to show the replicants really rising up and fucking up the world interesting and sending things
2: back that's very interesting yeah no I'll definitely watch the watch the the free will sorts you have anything else you want to add Dan no I think we covered <clears throat> it well excellent you know oh. me <laughs> hey, so man, man brevet <laughs> It's the soul of wit, you know. Yeah. <laughs> the brevity. The brevity <laughs> is the soul, the soul of the wit, yes. Yes, yes, yes. So, Darling. Uh,
1: so, music choice for this episode. We should definitely use Human After All by Daft Punk.
2: Or we just end with the ending theme from Original Blade Runner.
0: Well, we
1: usually have two song pieces, mm-hmm. typically. There
2: it is.
0: Done. 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 And now we've spoiled the surprise, loved, so without further I love Daft do, Punk.
1: Well, you don't have to include this. You don't have to include that bit. Maybe. <laughs> maybe, maybe we have to. I love Daft Punk. Did you, did you see them? Did you see their Emmy uh, acceptance speech, which wasn't an Emmy acceptance speech because they don't talk. No. It was great. Oh,
2: that's wonderful. Uh, uh, I,
1: I love those two French robots. They're great. Daft Punk, don't go changing. That's Just true. keep making good shit.
2: Well, let's go out tonight and get lucky. <clears throat> and uh, let's. I'm up all night
1: to the sun. At this rate. <laughs> good old
2: Farrell. All right, well, I'm Barra.
1: I'm Tristan.
2: And I'm Dan.
0: Thank you, everyone. Until next time, Toodles. <laughs> <laughs>